0: Hey, welcome NFL football fans, that time again, time for the next edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports production presented by Humanica Media. And hey, that's it, season's over. We had a fantastic Super Bowl. We're gonna take a look at the Super Bowl, uh, all the fallout with, uh, I don't know, coaches going here, there, and maybe going here, saying they're going here, not going here, going there instead. Uh, some of them, some players want to now become action heroes in the movies, and uh, you know we got quarterbacks who just started what five games in a season who are now getting record uh, money deals. So we're going to take a look at that. Also, congratulate all of the new uh, Hall of Famers. Those you watch on YouTube, you see I'm decked out in a whole golden black thing. Not about the Steelers. It's about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So let's get right into it. As you know, I do not work alone here. I do enlist the help of the very very best. So here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the man many of you already follow on Twitter at Sports. That's at C-H-R-I-S, the letter L, and then sports. A proud graduate of Rutgers University and my very favorite East Coast intellectual from somewhere in an undisclosed location wearing actually a Hall of Fame gold hat himself. Here is Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening?
1: Charles, as always, thanks for the introduction and the gold hat. I know... uh, A lot of the loyal viewers out there, or even if you're a listener, will appreciate that you don't have to see my bald dome for another week. So thanks again.
0: (laughs) All right, perfect. So, you know, let's take a look at this uh, Hall of Fame class. Uh, Nobody will be talking anymore about whether or not Terrell Owens deserves to be in because he is in, along with fellow wide receiver Randy Moss, who was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Also first ballot Ray Lewis, uh, linebacker class, and also uh, Brian Urlacher, who anchored that middle for the – uh, Chicago Bears for many years, and also Brian Dawkins got in. I always like to see safeties get in because it's kind of a forgotten position. You know, we talk about the uh, the defensive line, the backers, the corners, the shutdown corners, but then you have the safeties, the guys who are the last line of defense. I love to see them get in. I really want to see Steve Atwater get in one of these days. Maybe this will put the whole free safety thing back on everyone's lips, and uh, Mr. Atwater, hopefully he'll make it in the next couple of years. Running backs, we've got to see Edgman James get in and running back who basically was never hit for loss behind the line of scrimmage. But uh, congratulations to all of the 2018 Hall of Fame class and the old dudes, Jerry Kramer, the lineman for the Green Bay Packers. And also Robert Brazil got in. Now, Brazil was a linebacker mainly. He was for the uh, Houston Oilers in the 70s. And it's true, he was overshadowed by the great linebacking core of the Pittsburgh Steelers with Jack Hamm and Jack Lambert. Then you had Bill Berge over there in Philadelphia. And then you had the star-studded linebackers in uh, Dallas with Hollywood Henderson and the like. And he was kind of lost in the mix there in Houston. So uh, definitely deserves it, though. Robert Brazil, who in any other era would have made All-Pro, God only knows how many times. But that was a long time coming.
1: Yeah. And don't forget the Houston Oilers under Bun Phillips seemed like they ran into the great steel curtain teams every year in the playoffs. And even still, you had some great Raiders and Dolphins teams. So, uh, really a team that was overlooked and had there been instant replay, like there is today, a lot of people would have thought they, uh, they get in to face the, uh, LA Rams in the Super Bowl. with might the infamous Mike Renfro catch. But you know, I, I remember Brazil. He's, he's a good player. Uh, Jerry Kramer long overdue, I feel. And then, uh, you know, one of the, the names that you know, we have to do this every year, second guessing. Uh, one of the great left tackles of the uh, you know, the '90s, Tony Baselli of the Jacksonville Jaguars, didn't get in. Hoping in the future he does. I agree with you on safeties, but too you can't underestimate the importance of offensive linemen in this league either.
0: Yeah, it's true. In fact, you know, I thought Tony Baselli was already in. Honestly, I did <laughs> uh, before I read this year's uh, finalists and semifinalists. I thought he had already been in. But uh, he definitely deserves it. So, yeah, it's just with the uh, with the safety thing. I just uh, you know, obviously, obviously the offensive linemen need to get in there. But uh, yeah, just uh, certain guys go overlooked, and that's the way it goes. But eventually, as long as they get it, even if they have to wait for the veterans committee, which hopefully it won't be that way for Baselli. But uh, yeah, great to uh, finally have everyone get their get their due. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so on to this fantastic Super Bowl, which was, uh, you know, it was nothing short of magnificent. And I know last year's Super Bowl with the, the great comeback by the Patriots, was that was great. It was dramatic. But the thing was, we didn't see both teams playing well at the same time. What you had was Atlanta dominating for almost a full three quarters. Then you had the Patriots dominating for the last quarter plus a few minutes. But we didn't see just the back and forth battle which we saw in this Super Bowl, which gave it drama all the way down to the end of that last Hail Mary attempt to Gronk, who leaped, didn't catch, and then then said, uh, you know what, I bet I can make a lot more money being an action star and not get hurt in the process.
1: Can you blame him with the likes of uh, Rocky Balboa and The the Rock telling him to do otherwise? But, yeah, really um, a great back-and-forth game, you know. After the Super Bowl, I want to thank our friends Ed and Melissa for having us over and a lot of people there. Thankfully, um, you know, I know Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth got ripped, especially Collinsworth questioning those those catches that went for touchdowns for Philly. But it was nice to watch a game and not have to hear the announcers for a change, I must say. But uh I came home and once it settled in that the Philadelphia Eagles had finally won a Super Bowl, I thought to myself, Oh, there were a heck of a lot of punts in this game. Was there even one? And I looked and set a Super Bowl record, zero punts for the Patriots, one punt for the Eagles. For the whole game, there was one. The Patriots had an opportunity. I want to say they're in like the somewhere 30-yard line range, maybe a little bit out of range for Gostkowski, and they went for it on fourth down at one point. But I won't even count that as a potential punt. But uh, really, I mean, you know, while it was an excellent game, I think this is a the kind of the – what we're going to see things to come in the NFL going forward. Uh, I liken it to almost a flag football game. The offense is all over the place. Tom Brady throwing for 505 yards in a losing effort. And really, neither team having a stop. I mean, the one fluke interception the Patriots got was a ball that bounced off Alshon Jeffrey's hands. And then really the one stop at the end of the game, the sack, strip sack and fumble of Tom Brady, who – uh, look like, you know, how dare you do this to me? He was clearly in a state of shock, but, uh, you know, again, that it comes down to a defensive stop, albeit not, not a heck of a lot of D in this game, but uh, like you said, at least it was back and forth through the whole game. And then my, my final takeaway is, you know, Doug Peterson, a lot of people criticized him. I know back, uh, in 2016, when he got the job USA Today set of the six candidates, that, were, uh, that got head coaching jobs. He was the worst, six out of six, but uh, he's laughing all the way to the bank and his ring from Tiffany or wherever it comes from. But I got to say that fourth and goal call at the end of the second half with the pass to Foles, well, yeah. one of the, pardon my expression, ballsiest calls I've seen in NFL games. So good for him. He didn't take his foot off the gas. He didn't pull a Dan Quinn. Um, really a, an, an excellent job by Doug Peterson.
0: Yeah, I like that too. And I, what I what it showed was they were going for it. And when you look at that call, we have to remember that they were taking points off the board because easy field goal there. And if they get stopped on that play, New England has the ball to start the second half. So all the momentum really, New England has that stop and they have the momentum going in, they get the ball first. So it could have been a game changing play. But one thing about those catches You know, the touchdowns that were or shouldn't have been was now they're going into the offseason trying to redefine what a catch is. And on the grandest stage that they have, we had two catches where, yeah, by the letter of the law, and I looked at them too. And, you know, I'm sure some of the Giants fans and Steelers fans were looking at them as Collins were brought up on the air and saying, hey, wait a minute now. We've seen this same play not be called a catch. But now the NFL, it's like, okay, these are touchdowns. This is a catch. Now you can take these two examples, which the whole world saw, and you can use that going forward to define what a catch really is. And they should have been a catch uh, during the season before this. A few years ago, Des Bryant's catch in the playoffs should have been a catch as well. So I think the NFL, you know, whatever, the football gods kind of smiled down upon them and gave them these two great opportunities to redefine what a catch really is on the biggest stage that they have.
1: Yeah. I mean, Roger Goodell gave a state of the league address and, and mentioned it, how they're going to look into redefining the catch rule and, um, got to hand it to Collinsworth in that case. I was having flashbacks to Sterling Shepard and Jesse James. <laughs> right. on respective touchdowns And, uh, the league, you know, conspiracy theorists might talk to my dad tonight. He firmly believes that those wouldn't have been catches or touchdowns in the regular season. And, uh, it came from down above a uh, David Stern in the good days of the NBA. Right. So, uh, you now, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it catches a catch, but let's keep it consistent. Um, I really think the Ertz one was a no-brainer. I mean, if you catch the ball and run, and we talked about this on an earlier podcast this season, you go from being a receiver to the runner. So at least they got that right. So, um, right the, but they didn't get it right when Jesse James did it. Absolutely, completely. <laughs> so you know, it goes back to the good old days of the ground can cause a fumble, uh, making a football move, um, all the other esoteric wonderfulness of the NFL.
0: yep there we go the only downside was the uh that viral video of that uh that eagles fan eating horse doo-doo uh after in the wake of the of the uh victory well i guess you look at it in some ways eagles fans have been eating metaphorical horse doo-doo for so many years i guess now since they got it uh they actually got the ring they can go ahead and eat it for real if they feel like it but you know what and they catch a lot of flack, and some of it rightfully so, and I know they bring a lot of it on themselves. But honestly, God bless those Philadelphia sports fans. I mean, they may not be the classiest bunch in the world, but just some of the most passionate sports fans you'll ever see are in Philadelphia. They really are.
1: That they are. And and as did not cease to amaze, that select few that lived up to the knuckleheadness at the – you know, national media loves to harp on. You got the guys on the owning at the hotel falling and lighting <laughs> fires, et cetera. So, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's charm. being the job fan that charm. I am, it's, it's hard for me to admit that, but uh, great for them. They won a Super Bowl. Now I hope it takes another 60 something years before we see it again.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. So,
0: you know, and everyone talks about dynasties, and, uh, and rightfully so, the Patriots are. A great dynasty and possibly the best in NFL history. But there's a few other teams who've had their run and, you know, they, they want their due. So we look at the Niners dynasty as one, which is back in the, uh, the 80s through the early 90s. And the Steelers, who really established the modern day, which was in the 70s when they won four Super Bowls in six years. But if we take a look here at the records now, the uh, starting with the Steelers, the Steelers, 4-0 in Super Bowls, outscored their opponents by a combined score of 103-73. to 73. That's a obviously a point differential of plus 30 for all those of you who don't have your calculators out. Their biggest win was in a Super Bowl XIV, uh, 31-19 over the Rams. That's a 12-point victory. As far as the uh, 49ers, the Joe Montana 49ers, 4-0 in Super Bowls, outscored their opponents by a grand total of 139 to 63. Biggest victory was a 45 point win over the Denver Broncos. We all remember that. But that's a plus 76 point differential. Now, here's the Patriots, and this just shows when we talk about coaching, we talk about the minutiae of the game, we talk about situational football. The Patriots, five and three in Super Bowls in the Belichick and Brady era. Granted, they got there eight times, which is fantastic, but the total combined score, they only outscored their opponents 202 to 198, a differential of only four points over those eight Super Bowls. And, you know, no Super Bowl blowouts for them. Uh, their biggest loss was this year when they lost, what was that, by uh, eight points total? Eight, yeah. That's their biggest loss that they ever had. So you look at it, and really, uh, I thank my buddy Jake Stevens for uh, putting together all those stats, but he said very easily, they could have been 8-0 and they could have been 0-8 with a few things going just the other way. So you got to give them their due as a dynasty, but it's just a strange thing, and this is why when we pick these games and they involve the Patriots, you can look at all the ways the other team can win, but you have to look at there's that Patriot thing where the, by the narrowest of margins, they can get the job done. And when we look at the way the Eagles beat them, really it was similar to the Way the Giants beat them, it was you play good football, no mistakes, and one or two big plays. Normally, they're the ones that do that better than anyone. And we look at those last couple of Super Bowls they won uh, the Seattle Seahawks had them beaten, couldn't finish the job. Atlanta Falcons had them beaten, couldn't finish the job. The only three teams that had them and <laughs> finished the job the Giants twice, and now uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Hey, God bless the NFC East.
1: I guess that's the key, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so good.
0: there you go. What do you think, though? And when you look at these dynasties, though, Chris, what what do you think? Is it about the sustained excellence? So you have the Patriots where they're going to Super Bowls with the same coach and quarterback 16 years apart, or those compacted years where you have that great, like, five to seven-year span, with, what you have with the Niners, what you have with the Steelers with Chuck Nolan and uh, Terry Bradshaw. And then you have with the Niners, with Bill Walsh and uh, and Joe Montana.
1: Yeah, I think in the future, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see those compact runs. I mean, Brady's a of nature. Belichick, you look, most NFL coaches last, what, maybe you know, five, six years on average these right. days. So I think they're a complete aberration in that respect. The other thing, too, with the salary cap and just the fact that guys aren't playing as long as they used to, whether they choose not to, or they get hurt. You look at someone like Gronkowski, only 28 considering retirement. I think that we won't see any prolonged dynasties because of that as well. And then too, um, with the changing roles, I mean, teams have to adapt. I mean, you look at the, the Steelers and the 49ers both had tremendous defenses. I think, uh, in the Niners case, it's almost forgotten given the fact that Bill Walsh was such an offensive whiz, but, um, you know uh with the new rules you can have an excellent defense like the eagles did and uh still get lit up with uh the fact that teams throw so much i mean i look at dan marino guy made it to one super bowl i remember when i was a kid he threw for over five thousand yards it was out of this world if dan mm-hmm. marino played today i could see him having an eight to ten thousand yard season and well, sure. for 600 yards in a super bowl with a, <laughs> a, 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 he played in a system like brady for instance so uh, a lot of things have changed in that respect and uh Not all of it free agency. I think it's a a number of factors. But um, I I do think the – we've seen it happen before. We think the Patriots' run's coming to an end. I do think this is the beginning of the end. Yeah, they kind of had a clearer path to the Super Bowl than previous years. I know Brady's got his little Facebook documentary. He thinks he's going to play till 45 or whatever. But uh, father time does not take kindly to those of us in our 40s. And uh, really with Josh McDaniels deciding to renege on the Colts and staying, it appears to me that – I'm just guessing here, there's got to be some sort of handshake agreement where he's going to be the new coach when Belichick inevitably retires because I don't see him getting fired.
0: Right, and and I don't see anyone else offering McDaniels a head coaching job either after he leaves the Colts high and dry like that. And you got to wonder with, you know, with uh, Matt Patricia gone and now with uh, with McDaniels agreeing to stay and, you know, may be going into movies. And one reason why guys retire nowadays is, it's like uh, Hank Aaron said about his home run record. Will anyone break it? And he said, well, he didn't know if anyone would play long enough because now guys can actually afford to quit <laughs> See if you, because they're yeah. making so much money. So that's why you don't have to play that long. But I just wonder if something's coming up with Belichick, maybe even in this, this offseason. We open next season with, uh, with McDaniels as the head coach there. Could happen. We, we just never know.
1: Yeah, it could be, and you know, I I saw the thirty for thirty, the two bills where they actually sat Belichick and Parcells in the same room in the giant That, that, was great. that was room, great. phenomenal. I never thought I'd see that day, but you see a little, uh, dare I say, mellowed and reflective Belichick, and even Parcells too. So who knows? Maybe he's thinking about his legacy at this point. Yeah, that's true, and he
0: really he has nothing left to prove, and. Hey, we'll see. Everyone has to move on. you got to get into that next uh, next wave. I don't. I just can't see Belichick wanting to stick around and be part of a true rebuilding process there with a 40-plus-year-old quarterback there in New England. That's all. I
1: think, uh, hey, go ahead and leave that to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. You know when to cut your losses.
0: Okay. All righty. So, well, obviously no games to pick this week. So, <laughs> Mr. Lardieri, I'm going to give you the floor for a minute here. Um, toss some things out here. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's he's the quarterback who was the QB in waiting in New England, gets traded to the Niners. I think he won his last, was it five games or six games? And now he's been rewarded with five years, $137.5 million, the richest contract in the history of the NFL based on five starts with the 49ers. Is he doing the next great thing, or is the world, has the world gone mad?
1: Yeah. Um, I have two thoughts when I heard that contract today. First of all, Scott Mitchell wishes he was uh, born a little <laughs> later on, or he could have cashed in, too. And and second of all, I guess with the, you know, I'm still scratching my head over this Alex Smith trade by the Redskins and the contract they gave him. Well, given Alex Smith 20 or 21 a year, whatever the case is, I guess uh, – Jimmy Garoppolo is a bargain, an average yearly contract of 27 and change, right? But, um, you know, we know how these deals work. They'll, they'll extend them or renegotiate at some point. But that said, uh, I do think, you know, there are a lot of people that thought, and ESPN included in the piece that said that Belichick didn't want to trade Garoppolo. They really didn't have a choice. Even if they kept Garoppolo through the uh, Garoppolo through the postseason season, um, he was going to get huge money somewhere else. And I think the Niners really had no choice given the way he played. I mean, you look at the Vegas odds to win the Super Bowl next year, the 49ers are 25 to 1. Like, I think it's a great story. They could turn it around, maybe even win the division. But I mean, they have odds significantly lower than what the Eagles started the season at this year to win the Super Bowl. I believe they're like 55 or 60 to 1. So um, it's crazy, but it is a sign of the times. And the 49ers are the cap room, and it's hard to find a, a franchise quarterback that's ready to go. And, uh, Uh, Who am I to say whether it's an exorbitant amount of money or not? But I will say it looks looks to me like Jimmy Garoppolo is ready to be an NFL starter long term.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. And it could have interfered with, you know, the, the Patriots do have kind of that history of uh, with these kind of aging star players, maybe Belichick had the shrewd move in mind where Garoppolo is ready to play. You kind of you move Brady this off season. You could get a lot of good, uh, good young dra- uh, players and draft picks for him. So, yeah, I guess the world will never know because uh, I think uh, when it comes to Robert Kraft, it comes to Bill Belichick, it comes to the whole Patriots thing. I think there are secrets there that they are taken to the grave. Everybody's taking them to the grave.
1: That's it. Absolutely, yeah. It's going to be some sort of NFL version of Al Capone's vault, except there will be stuff in the vault, right? (laughs) Like
0: what, videotapes? Deflated
1: footballs? What? What's going to be in the vault, man? What's going to be in the vault? They're all allegations that have not been proven. Maybe Tom Brady's destroyed cell phone. Yeah, that could be there.
0: Okay, (laughs) so as I said, I'm going to give you the floor here, man. Uh, We've already talked about everything, but I'm sure there's something in there, some wisdom you'd like to share for us
1: before we check out. Sure, absolutely. Not check yeah. out of the earth.
0: I mean check out of this particular show.
1: We're yeah, not yeah. Doing no. any bucket
0: it's, list stuff here.
1: No plans to do that, knock on wood, but I don't want to tempt fate. But uh so anyway, um, you know, I'll call it like I see it throughout the year. And look, I told you about the paper we wrote for analytic investors or we the Patriots to win. Uh, Unfortunately, that did not come true. I think the common denominator the last four years I've done the paper is anytime the Patriots are involved in the game, we can't pick it right. But uh, from a purely selfish perspective, I hope you listened to me in the last Gambler's Delight uh, segment of the year where I said, you can get the Eagles plus four and a half, jump all over it. I will admit I thought the Patriots would win a close one, but uh, hoping you did, along with the guy who clearly... uh, in Vegas, who ran up about $10 million in winnings on the World Series and allegedly did the same on the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Whoever you are, props to you. Um, One more thing, I know fantasy football is long over. I was looking through some notes, and uh, right after Carson Wentz got hurt against the Rams, I suggested that you pick him up in fantasy football because he had a good matchup against the Giants. While I cannot take any sort of credit for knowing that he'd be an inevitable Super Bowl MVP or even lead his team to a – Lombardi trophy. Uh, I guess I could take credit for saying you should have played him one week, but nothing else. But you know what? Great story. Congratulations to Nick Foles. Um, even if he's with the Eagles this year, I think he's got a, a bright payday ahead of him at some point, whether it's in Philly or not. And then finally, this this Josh McDaniel story. I mean, you could say what you want about the guy. People do this all the time in the real world, in the business world, corporate America, et cetera. But I do think it underlines one issue I've had with the NFL where – if you're a, a assistant coach and you're in the Super Bowl, you go deep in the playoffs, you interview with these teams, you can't leave your team, you can't sign a contract, you can't even assemble a staff if you're like a Matt Patricia or what we thought Josh McDaniels would be. So change the role, let these guys have the ability to sign the contract, if the teams don't want to announce it, great. But I mean, does it really distract? I mean, Josh McDaniels knew he was going to Indy his game plan was phenomenal against the Eagles. I mean, I, I think it's an antiquated rule. Let these guys interview um, in any other sport. You know what? It's more done hush hush. I'm sure in basketball for instance, or hockey or other sports, assisting coaches mm-hmm. know they're going to have jobs lined up, but they continue to coach in the playoffs or the finals. So uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but um, not saying it would solve the issue of, you know, Josh McDaniels who appears to be the general Sherman of, NFL coach is burning his way through the league, but I, I do think the rule's a little bit odd.
0: Well, either that or they need to push it back so that you just can't talk to anyone until after the Super Bowl. There's that too. Now I don't know how it works with all the league meetings and everything else if they if you if it will put the entire league in the position where the Colts are where basically they have to get to business here within ten days and they don't have a head coach all of a sudden. But um, I've always thought about that because it's not fair to have these guys having to game plan for getting their team through the playoffs, through a playoff run. And in the back of your mind, you know, like Matt Patricia, it's like, well, i tell you what, losing the Super Bowl is fine for Matt Patricia because he's going to go coach the Lions. So he'll have to get used to a lot of devastating losses, uh, <laughs> close losses, Hail Marys that don't make it and things like that. But I've always thought that what they should do, unless there's a logistic thing that I'm missing, which that could very well be, but they should just make it. You cannot negotiate for a, with a new head coach for a team that, uh, you know, until after the Super Bowl. So that way the, the playing field is leveled. That way you don't have the teams, the coaches from non-Super Bowl teams able to negotiate with teams when those who are on the uh, playoff teams are not able to just back it up. You
1: can't negotiate until after the Super Bowl and and that's that yeah i think baseball is something like that where nothing gets done business-wise until after the last world series game and i get that i think the problem with the nfl is they've got the scouting combine and that's right yes butted up to the end of the season they may need to push it back you know what that might not be a bad idea i think that uh roger goodell wants it to be a 12-month news cycle if you push Mm -hmm. the combine back a couple weeks and that pushes NFL free agency more into mid-March, why not? You'll be talking about the league longer. And, you know, here in mid-February, there's not going to be a heck of a lot. I mean, are you excited by the NBA All-Star Game? Uh, uh, I don't think anyone really is. It's just a bad exhibition like the Pro Bowl. But, you know, take a few weeks off from football, and then maybe the end of the month we can uh, listen to Mike Mayock and Mel Kuyper with their uh, expert (laughs) analysis on who the next great quarterback or left tackle is going to be. I mean, put push it back a little. I think that would help solve the problem. But uh, doubt doubt if it will happen. But you never know. It's issues like this that and and the definition of what is a catch that prompts the league to change things.
0: Yeah, and, you know, remember, they just put together a symposium to discover what was a catch before last season. Now they're going to do it again this season. But like I said, I'm glad we had these two catches in the Super Bowl because – those can be the yardsticks by which everything is measured now going forward, and we know what a catch is. And so, yeah, Mr. Goodell, if you're listening, those two were a catch, so you can build everything on that. And also, yeah, just push, push the scouting combine back one month. It's not going to hurt anything. And uh, level the playing field for all the coaches. We good there? Shall I draft that letter and get it to Mr. Goodell's desk?
1: Absolutely. You need me to sign it, let me know. Um, I will uh... – I have a digital signature I can get you, Charles.
0: All right, fantastic. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us. Remember, the show is NFL Football Talk. I'm Charles E. Smith Jr. You can follow me on Twitter at The Inside Sports. Follow Chris Lardieri at Chris L Sports. That's at C H R I S, the letter L, and then sports. By the way, Chris, you do look pretty dapper in that hat. And I look forward to next season. Uh, every season, every show, I want to see you in that hat. And I'm just looking absolutely fresh. And, you know, we'll, we'll probably do an update show here as a contract gets signed and Gronkowski does or does not retire. So look for an update show maybe in a few weeks, every month here in the offseason. We'll keep you abreast of everything going on in the NFL. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Every now, Every now and then do another show?
1: I'm game. Thank you again for the opportunity. I promised to wear the hat and uh, one final thought before we put a, a wrap on this season. Um, like I say, I call them like I see them. My beloved New York giants had an odd commercial during the super bowl with <laughs> dancing and Eli and OBJ. Um, thankfully I was in the bathroom taking a break and I missed it. I got a lot of crap from my friends via text, but uh, you know, on the one hand I thought it was funny. On the other hand, if they had put that much effort and preparation into the season, things would have been a little different, but who am I to judge, right? At least they're going to be budding dancers in their future careers, right? Yeah,
0: well, as we talked about in pre-production here, it was both the best and worst thing I ever saw, but what I will say about it is Eli is not going to be on Dancing with the Stars anytime soon. Well, it was just, that was
1: horrible. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Stick, stick to the DirecTV commercials exactly all right
0: everybody so for
1: mr chris Lardieri, i'm charles e smith jr thank
0: you for watching nfl football talk this is an inside sports production and we'll see everybody next time congratulations to the philadelphia eagles philly philly
1: <laughs> brink here from super bs talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know join us weekly for a podcast about video games mostly Oh.